A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. This is Talk Wrestling on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Talk Wrestling from TalkSport on the Fight Night feed. And this weekend, we have a huge AEW pay-per-view to preview as full gear comes to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Plus, we'll be hearing from Tommy End himself, Malachi Black, who's been speaking with our very own Alex McCarthy. Half an hour of that coming up for you, plus Simon Miller. Why? Because we want him to preview the pay-per-view with us. That's all coming up on Talk Wrestling from Talk Sports. Talk Wrestling from TalkSport, I'm Will Gavin. I'm in the studio with Alex McCarthy. What? This, this, this isn't even like a post-COVID weirdness anymore. It's just weird that we're in the same building at the same time without even, you know, like passing ships in the night so often. Al, how mm. are you, sir? I'm great, brother. Great to finally be opposite you. Um, as you just said, our schedules, you know, the world of MMA, boxing and NFL and your various office duties don't want us to have podcasts together, apparently. But alas, today we've managed to make it happen, brother. And what an esteemed guest we've brought in for a pay-per-view preview. As is tradition, I would sure you would agree, Will, at this point. Simon Miller in the house. What culture's very own? Simon, how are you, man? Well, I kind of feel left out now because you say in the house, but I am actually just a distant apparition <laughs> in the background kind of. <laughs> I want to be in there with the in-person love. It sounds lovely. You sound so happy and excited. I, I am, but never forget, when I did see you in person, Simon, there was a bear hug of all bear hugs. True. The, true. the love was reverberating around that VIP room <laughs> as I clasped around you, um, which was great. It's the first time I think I've ever met you in person, which was... It was. And what it was a lovely, thrill. Yeah. What a thrill. Um, how have you been I, anyway, I man? Thrilled. Yeah, good. You know, I think I can't imagine or remember, I should say, a time when wrestling was this crazy, mm. whether it's breaking news or pay-per-views or even I mean, I think sometimes the, the rating ar- argument gets a bit dull, but it's just any, no matter what comes out, there is something to dive into and talk about. So, yeah, absolutely mad, but I am enjoying the ride. And indeed, you, you're going to have a, a soft relaunch of your pod coming soon. I am, yeah, with special guests. Who could it be? (laughs) (laughs) They sound special. I haven't been invited yet, I know that much. Can we all just talk about, as well, while I was out of the room sorting out Simon's levels to pull back the curtain, the absolute clang of Alex McCarthy going, yeah, when we were in the VIP room, I really clasped my arms around you, don't you know? That's the kind of high-flying, highfalutin man Alex McCarthy is is at this point. Is that my impression? (laughs) No, it's good. It's good. I I didn't know who was talking. (laughs) Uh, tell us about the podcast before I railroad the whole conversation. 
Well, I would like to say, Will, you're more than welcome to come on as well. I mm. genuinely thought you'd be too busy because you yes. are an NFL monster. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Simon is pro wrestling podcast. I had a couple of weeks off as I rethought the format because it was just me talking into a microphone. And I was like, it's fine, but it's a bit dull. <laughs> so yes, I've kind of shaken it up a little bit. We're going to change it up. And it's got the most inventive title ever. Simon Miller's pro wrestling podcast coming back soon to airwaves near you. Lovely. Delightful hmm. and wonderful. Uh, <laughs> coming up on the show uh, a little bit uh, later in the show, we'll be speaking with one of our very favourites from both his time in the Indies, his time out here in, in the UK with Progress in particular stands out, uh, his run through NXT and, and on to uh, the main roster at WWE and now turning up in AEW, Malachi Black, who Al sat down with for a good half an hour earlier this week. He's always a fascinating one. I can remember sitting down with him backstage at, at Download for what was meant to be about a 50 minute chat and it ended up going on for almost an hour because he's just it's just one of those people who has so many interesting stories has such an interesting perspective on the world that I, i'm i'm looking forward to i haven't heard it yet and i'm excited to hear it. let me tell you something i asked him maybe five questions <laughs> in 30 minutes <laughs> this is a man that has insight to give uh, as i'm sure you will all hear very shortly so man you know asking about his creative process you 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 know how sometimes people just hit you with, you know, their patented answer or whatever, and they might have done it elsewhere, but this guy really dives into his entire thought process and everything. It, honestly, it's a fascinating listen. But before we get to that, let's look ahead to this weekend's AEW Full Gear, an astonishing-looking card at the Target Centre in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Legitimately, I can pick out five matches, maybe even mm. six, which make me think could be match of the night that that malachi black's not even on yeah the card astonishing. which is astonishing how yeah. crazy is that that's just nuts right they're they're Ross, everyone moans about the roster has too many people i'm like yeah whatever <laughs> keep them coming <laughs> keep bringing them in so uh i'm gonna start off i what we'll do we'll go around and we'll let everyone almost like we're doing a, a draft style Ooh. you're gonna pick a match that you get to talk about oh. uh <laughs> first and foremost and give your thoughts on and because i'm in charge i'm going first okay uh, and I'm going to talk about CM Punk and Eddie Kingston. Good choice. Did you see uh, Eddie Kingston's piece in the Players' Tribune this week? I did. Talking about why he wanted to be a wrestler. You know, I didn't want to be an astronaut. I didn't want to be a football player. Eddie Kingston is the most ridiculously easy to root for man in the world without ever having to do anything that's really outside of his actual character. If you've ever had a chance to to speak with Eddie Kingston or spend any time with him when he's been over doing UK Indies or anything like that... Yeah, of course, as with any wrestler, it's their person... Like, when they're good, it's their personality ramped up to 11. But Eddie Kingston is so much like the man that he presents on TV. He is so much that real salt of the earth, just absolutely a guy that you want to desperately root for. And right from when we had the kind of first promo between Punk and Kingston, all of the CM Punk saying that, you know, he's only a guy designed, uh, designed to do, you know, uh, dark and those elevation matches and not a guy designed for, for Wednesday nights or Saturday nights, whenever they're doing it anymore. Uh, and I, I've just, the build to this has been absolutely beautiful without ever having to get properly violent, without ever having to see, you know, seven setup matches to get there i am hyped for what these two will deliver and uh yeah and for the first time probably since cm punk's in the company kind of rooting for eddie kingston Ooh, i mean you know what i i tweeted this after watching rampage i didn't know what had happened and i was working one of the next days and i thought oh, i'll just put rampage on in the background 
and their segment was like so good that I had to stop what I was doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, oh, hang on, I need to pay attention to what's going on here properly. I thought the promo between them was amazingly like intense and intimate, but full of bravado at the same time. Uh, it really set the table. And then the way it escalated at the end of that and kind of boiled over, I thought it was perfect, man. Like this is exactly the gateway I need for CM Punk to get into more, uh, not just intricate storytellings, but more intense, right? As, as a character, uh, who better than Eddie Kingston for that? A man who's just come up short against Brian Danielson, no less. Um, Eddie Kingston is like the, I don't want to call him like a perennial player, but, Without being the main event attraction, he's like the guy that everybody can understand, right? Everybody can relate and want to root for Eddie Kingston. So seeing that kind of dichotomy between the two, I am so, so pumped for this matchup. I just find it difficult to believe that CM Punk would lose. Simon? I think that's what makes it so interesting because... Like, there has been a, a small minority who have been like, oh, you know, CM Punk's been ruined because we didn't bring him in to do all the top matches straight Boo. away. But it's ridiculous because that's what's made this even better. Now, look, I'm sure no one even had Eddie Kingston on that ballot, right? When CM Punk came in. Oh, I can't wait for it. No, no one was saying that. <laughs> but the reason it's worked so well is because you've had all these CM Punk matches. We've got to enjoy him on his, you know, I'm going to take on all the young guys tour. Whereas now we're slowly moving back into that CM Punk we remember from 2011. However, you know he's uh, he's spinning it in a different way, and that's what I think this makes it makes it so fascinating because you can imagine uh, an arena getting behind Eddie Kingston and not booing Punk, but maybe deep down being like, "Oh, I hope Eddie Kingston does win." When of course you can flip that and say CM Punk's one of the most over guys in wrestling, and that's why I love it. You can tell a story here to the point even if CM Punk did lose there would be so much joy in people's hearts the fact that eddie kingston the bum you know was able to <laughs> overcome this icon that you'd love it and that's what i think is the true the true genius with this and you know i guess there's, a, there's an awesome irony almost to it as well because obviously punk was like oh you didn't live up to your potential but what is eddie kingston doing right now he's living up to that potential so mm. i love it it's great it goes to show that you know unscripted promos and talking ability you know can just transform a match from, oh, that'll be fun to, oh my gosh, I'm so invested. And, and if anyone hasn't seen the Road 2 full gear as well on YouTube, check that out because it will make you want to see Eddie Kingston versus CM Punk yesterday. It is so absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you know, you know I'm not even like making this com direct comparison, but like Rock Hogan at WrestleMania 18 was one of those things where it was like, well, you know, Rock's the baby face, even though look, kind of Hogan was meant to be the heel. But then it was one of those matches where everybody just loved everyone that <laughs> they were just super invested in what was going on right and it created this really um special atmosphere and i'm just wondering if a scenario like that might play out here where the crowd will be up for this match perhaps more than anything um barring hangman pages you know odyssey to the title but as a man with the second most amount of power on this podcast, I'm going to take <laughs> I'm going to take the next match as Brian Danielson and Miro, right? In the final of the the final in the final of the AEW title eliminating tournament. Now the interesting thing here for me is John Moxley would have been in this spot, right? He would have been in the final against Brian Danielson had he not taken time out to go address, um, you know, the alcohol problems that he or the, you know, whatever problems he said he entailed. Um, so I'm looking at it and I'm going, was Moxley meant to win? 
Was he meant to go all the way? What makes more sense would be Brian Danielson, right, who came in against Kenny, had the draw, has fought his way against the Elite ever since, had to make his way through this tournament to now then get his shot, finally, at the champion. The only problem with that narrative is Kenny is unlikely to be the champion, right? So what sense does it really make to have Danielson go over to finally get his way back to Kenny when Kenny doesn't have it? We're assuming Kenny doesn't have it. <laughs> I mean, unless they're going uh, to... It's quite a big assumption to make. And I, and I know that the, these two matches kind of tie into one another. Mm. Uh, so we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit by going into main event territory. But I don't know. I mean... You don't think Hamman doesn't get it, do you? I, I, yeah, I mean, I believe that that's the direction that they've spent the story of the last 18 months telling. And I think when you've brought in Danielson and Punk and and Malachi Black and, let's be honest, likely to be two or three, and Adam Cole and probably two or three more top-tier talent over the coming months, you know, maybe Bray Wyatt comes, maybe he doesn't, maybe there's... You know, there are so many people who could and should be talked about in world title terms... I want them to pull the trigger on their guy. I want to make sure that Paige gets his run. Yes. I don't want it to be that that story falls by the wayside. But actually, at the same time, let's get Danielson the win over Miro and let's let Danielson make Hangman Page in a loss. Like, as, as you know, Simon, that Brian Danielson does better than maybe anyone in wrestling. Uh, yeah, I also think he could be the best wrestler ever. I've been thinking about this a lot recently with Brian Danielson. I'm like, mm, you may be the best. Here we are. Yeah. Here you are, just making your way through life. I think <laughs> it's it's really interesting because, once again, I'm kind of repeating myself, but you can go both ways. Obviously, Miro winning transforms that character because you're like, oh, my gosh, he just beat Brian Danielson, who obviously is undefeated at the moment. And then he goes on to Hangman Adam Page. If Hangman Adam Page beats Miro, that's still a big deal. But yeah, you're 100% right. If Brian Danielson does it, then in, the, in his first defense of the AEW world title that we've wanted Adam Page to you know, hold for the last two, three years, depending how you want to spin it, he's the guy that's able to get the first off over Brian Danielson. Like you say, you have made your guy. I, I don't really see how you could put a foot wrong. But you know, without wanting to go too broad with it all, I think this is why the card is so good. Because if you sit down and you want to debate it for hours, there is multiple ways to go, especially with a match that, like you say, was never meant to happen. Now, the twist in it all is that I also agree. I think John Moxley was going to win this. I think John Moxley was going to go full on bad guy. I have a feeling that Eddie Kingston probably would have helped him somehow. Mm. So you're like, oh my gosh, this is like proper WWE distraction finishes. <laughs> what is going on? But I do think it would have worked. And then... You know, an enraged John Moxley going after Hangman, I think, would have been would have been tremendous. But Tony Khan has shown time and time again he's very good at pivoting, you know, and coming up with these ideas. Again, you know, on that piece of paper he had, it was CM Punk versus Wardlow, I think. Mm. So, you know, these ideas have come from somewhere. I would put Brian Danielson through because I think that helps Hangman Adam Page more. But then you have the whole thing: is you know, do you beat Miro twice back to back? I'm not sure that's well there's no good or bad ideas because they protect their characters so well but I would be surprised by it but yeah if I had to go for one I think Brian Danielson will win but I can't wait for this match mm. I think it'll be Miro's best match ever and not just because of Brian Danielson but because I think he's on a he's on a tear right now yeah the stakes as well right and and that's the thing with the title picture in AEW and I'm sure we can all agree in WWE sometimes you can telegraph 
an opponent, right? Uh, and I know some people have spoken about this before. Like Seth Rollins was like, oh, I, I got to work with Kane when I first became champion. Well, no one thought Kane was going to dethrone Seth Rollins, right? Like, and it's, there's a lot of WWE do that. Like Drew McIntyre had Dolph Ziggler as one of his first opponents. And, <laughs> and at that point, but I think Bobby Lashley as well, who hadn't been champion and he was just kind of refinding himself. I know that sounds a weird point now, but in 2020, it wasn't. Um, so I think, WWE have this habit of kind of going, oh, we need to build the champion. And they do that by going, oh, we're going to give them challengers they can beat. Whereas in AEW, it's like, okay, you're the champion. Jesus, you've got Adam Cole. You've got Brian Danielson. You've got a litany of guys queuing up. And, and that makes me, like, fearful <laughs> for Adam Page and his title run. I'm like, how long is it going to last? Because there's just so many guys that you could partner him with and say, right, off you go. Brian Danielson, of course, it could go either way, right? You make him the champion... He, he's like an anomaly. I don't think many people are going to complain. But at the same time, you probably would because you've just watched this long odyssey for Hangman Page. Um, and, you, you know, the first obstacle he doesn't overcome. Um, so it, you could go either way. But my point is with AEW, they've got the charm of having so many top-tier guys, kind of like WWE in the Attitude Era, where the title picture feels so much more profound and exciting. Whereas WWE kind of go... Yeah, we're going to give you this guy, we're going to give you this guy, until we get to one of the big four, and then maybe we're going to set something up there. Even when Cena faced Reigns, you knew Reigns was going over, right? Like, I feel like AEW has a different course here, and that's why I'm really excited about what's going on with Page and Omega, what's going to happen with Danielson and Miro. Because as you say, there are so many different avenues they can go down. And honestly, that's one of my favourite things about AEW. Uh, Simon, your pick? Well, I think I think we should talk about the main event in a bit more specific terms. So yeah, I'll go Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega, but I'll try and be quick with it because I know we've kind of talked about it. I do think that there is a scenario where Kenny Omega wins. Ah. I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to do it and I would never put any money on it. But sometimes, I mean, the problem is this. I do think most good stories have tragedy in it. But we've already had the tragedy with Ad, you know, Adam Page, you know, when he had the big, um, the big multi-man fight with the Dark Order versus the Elite, and they lost. And you're like, oh, well, that sucks. And he went away for a while, and and now he's come back. And it also, it just feels like the right time to do it. You know, it's like when John Moxley won the title. You could have argued that Jericho actually had more life in him as champion, but it just felt right, and the fans wanted it. And I think that's the same here. So, I mean, obviously, I put all my yeah, all, all my worth behind Hangman, but. Again, I do think, I don't know what you would do, but if you really wanted to prolong this and maybe, you know, you did want to put Brian Danielson back into the Kenny Omega thing, but then I think you can hold off that as well. I think it would be a bad move, but I do want to say that really, if we do go with the obvious and the hangman becomes the champion, this is the culmination of months and years worth of story that you've just got to applaud everybody involved to doing because we live in this society where we're told constantly oh we can't do long-term stories anymore and yet here i am a man that has been watching wrestling for many years and the thought of adam page getting to hold that title above his head makes me go i i need to see that you know i need to see the end of all of this which i've enjoyed from start to finish and it's just a terrific main event to have on a card that when you look at it could be not only one of the best that AEW's done, but maybe the best. I mean, it's going to be hard to top double or nothing when you have all these surprise, these surprise debuts. But in terms of match quality, it really, really could be phenomenal. And if it ends as good as I believe it will, you go home with a smile on your face, which again is the point of wrestling. Hmm. It's difficult to build on what Simon said there. Uh, I, I, they've got to pull the trigger. They have to. I, th- I think so. Like the whole, you know, I, I keep saying it, the whole journey for Hangman Page that, you know, he lost the inaugural title fight, right, with 
Chris Jericho. He then loses in the title eliminator tournament with Kenny Omega in the finals. Kenny goes on to win. That was his tag partner that he also dropped the ball with when they lost um, to FTR, I want to say. It's all there for him and the redemption story, and that's even with the 10-man tag that Simon alluded to. He's been through the ringer already. I don't know how long you could draw this out of Hangman Page nearly because I feel like they've reached the apex of the story, right? And if they, if he wasn't to... They would have to do some real good crafting to tell us a story that would make us want to keep on this journey, I think, past this. This is the point. I think Hangman has to win. And, and as you said earlier, I mean, Danielson going back to Omega, I guess you don't need the title, to do a second one of those? I don't know. But again, you could do it down the road, the same way FTR and Young Bucks. When that was done, I thought, hmm, no way, that's one and done. And FTR have kind of floated around and not really done anything since. Now they're back in the title picture. And sure as anything, I'm sure one day, the Young Bucks and FTR will get back together. And that could be the thing with Danielson Omega. There's so much to spread their wings with in the company. And I do think the belt collectors kind of run his course as well in this iteration. I think moving on to Hangman Page is not only what I want to see happen, but the right move, just to reinvigorate a lot of what's around in that top top tier of AEW. Right, let's move on. Uh, background to me, I want to talk about one of, for me, the most anticipated tag matches I can think of in a very long time. Because on one side, the Lucha Brothers have had my two favorite tag matches in AEW and I know that's going to not go down well with the uh the marks of the Kenny Hangman uh tag match with the with their opponents today and not their oppo- their opponents in so many of those great tag matches in the Young Bucks but the cage match and the ladder match are still the two most spectacular tag matches yeah. I've seen in modern memory you take FTR on the other side and and the work that they did not only in in AEW already but in WWE and NXT in particular and this kind of has a five star written all over it to me Uh, there's just too much talent they're just too good a storytellers they're just too much quality in this as long as they're given a good amount of time I think this is going to be just potentially steal the night from everything else on the card, which, considering how strong we've said it is already, is pretty astonishing, Simon. I, it's, they, they, all, they get better each and every week, too. <laughs> this is what I don't understand. It's like they're good, and you think, okay, we've kind of seen them reach a peak, I suppose. And you're like, oh, no, they're even better. And this one has a bunch of story and everything else put into it, and Phoenix just terrifies the absolute life out of me. Because <laughs> I don't understand how he does half the things that he does that he does do. I think you're right. I think this could. I think the big one. I'm just repeating myself again, but I wouldn't want to say who was going to win. I I, I think that's why we book sense. you, Simon. Well, I know <laughs> we book you for this. I know. But I think the thing is this. Obviously, FTR have basically been up on this feud the entire time. So. You probably want the Lucha Brothers to retain their tag team titles, but then you have the question of the AAA tag team titles. So, I mean, one thing that AEW hasn't done, it hasn't bothered me, but, you know, if you're looking at it from the Forbidden Door perspective, is nobody has gone outside of the company and lost the championship, right? I mean, they barely lost the match. So maybe that's the idea with FTRs, that they will go to AAA, and that's where they will lose their AAA tag team titles to kind of share some of the love. But th- maybe the Lucha Brothers are the people to do that. I mean, 
FTR do fall into this category where you can actually beat them all the time and it doesn't matter because their psychology is so good and their matches they can just work with anybody that within a you know within a couple of uh or within a couple of moves oh yeah oh, yeah yeah I, I remember but I, I'm intrigued to see what Phoenix does I think is my new mantra when it comes to anything with the lucha brothers and that's not taking anything away from penta who is equally as talented but he's less insane <laughs> phoenix is phoenix is absolutely bonkers so i think the lucha brothers probably retain here because again you you want to make sure you have that that, that feel good vibe i do i do but, i do agree sorry continue Simon. Say, my last point was that ftr do cheat a lot like and I think that's deliberately <laughs> been made but I think that's deliberately been made a big thing out of so that if they do decide to go that way it's like well we told you it was going to happen I don't know it's a tough one yeah um, I mean for FTR I, I don't want to be too harsh I, I didn't love their outing with the Young Bucks I thought the finish was really good where I think it's Dax who or Cat no sorry it's Cash who does the 450 and you're like oh wow like no flips and but they tried to pull out all the stops to you know get the victory and whatnot but otherwise i didn't think that match was amazing i didn't think their match with kenny and hangman was overly amazing either um although there were circumstances around that i know kenny said how ridiculously hot it was in the arena and no fans really there to kind of keep the energy going so maybe those two things abstain me because i know their nxt run was unbelievable and i have seen them do good things in aw too so I think in terms of meshing, they could be incredible foils for the Lucha Brothers, who are, again, on, as Will was said, and a ridiculous reign of matches. Um, I don't know. It, it, to me, I'd say Lucha Brothers retain, but the story's not done, I guess. But I do think sooner or later, FTR will get back in the title picture because, really, I know they was involved with the uh, Pinnacle, but they haven't done that much in AEW have they like they they kind of go weeks without being on TV at times um and it's only when they picked up these AAA belts that they've really got back involved um since their proud and powerful feud so i kind of think it's high time for them to be near the top again but i don't know i'm going to go lucha brothers on this occasion all right boys over to you ooh i uh, i'll go you know what i was about to look at my phone for the card but i've already got it locked uh, and loaded <laughs> william darby allen mjf is another scorcher sneaky, of sneaky a match. amazing it's, like yeah it just sneaks where, in on you where where is the cooldown match on this card oh my god uh who knows but you know what I will say the build for this um has largely relied on mjf being horrible <laughs> to be fair some of his promos jesus they have walked the line um you know i, I saw jericho were complaining not uh, complaining is probably the wrong word he wasn't a fan of the lex luger wheelchair line to sting um, and I'm sure there was many people that were uncomfortable with that, but MJF doing what MJF does, and and I I like the basis of the story being that they are the kind of pillars of what AEW are or will be moving forward. You've got the Adam Coles and Brian Danielsons and CM Punks, but the MJFs, the Hangmans, the Sammies, the Darbies, that are you know those I should say, and Jungle Boy are like the pillars of AEW. So. It means there's a kind of a lot on the line. MJF never really been beaten, or so he says, right? He lost to Jericho once, and he says he uh, the pinfall against Moxie doesn't count because a Death Rider wasn't meant to be used. Uh, and then you've got Darby Allen, who's one of those who can... He, he can take losses, and it doesn't really matter. 
because his character is so kind of enigmatic and mysterious uh, and so wildly popular with Sting by his side as his dad. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I just think it's it, it's kind of that wonderful... A lot of people said this about Jungle Boy and MJF. They would be like this wonderful rivalry that will be eternal, you know, the same way that Brett and Sean was and like Rock and Triple H. Uh, and I feel that way about Darby and MJF, actually. And I wonder if that's part of MJF's charm and strength that he could have this with pretty much anyone because he is just a nasty foil to have. But at the same time, I think these two can put on a massive clinic where Darby Allen, we know he shows out, but MJF is really understated how good he is in the ring. I've really, like, you know, I've always thought, wow, he's amazing on the mic. But over the past year, his work has been stellar between the ropes as well. I just wonder if by the balance of how things have gone, that Darby might be the one to get the win but I still think if I'm in Tony Khan's head I think Derby can stand the loss and it keeps MJF moving forward strongly because there is a case that MJF could be an opponent for a hangman page in the next sort of six months not only do I think that MJF should be an opponent for hangman and page I think he's going to be the guy to beat him I do too yeah, like if you, and there's nothing wrong with this. Again, people think it's a disparaging thing to say. It's not. At the moment, we're kind of playing ping pong with good guys and bad guys when it comes to the AEW World Championship, which, by the way, is what we used to do back in the day. So <laughs> it's not so obvious. No, it's called wrestling. And if MJF is going to be that guy, he needs to start building up as many wins as possible. And because of his character, he can be the biggest schmuck on the planet, and it doesn't matter. So if he wants to do something utterly dastardly here to tie into those promos to get a win over Darby Allen, and then of course you know come out and say oh I beat Darby Allen I'm the best face of the company all the pillars etc. Fair you know do it and you don't need to do that Hangman Adam Page match for six months maybe you want to hold it off for twelve months you know AEW is very good at that and if you are able to have him go on this this run and then become the world champion it just make not only does it make him even more obnoxious when he gets the gold but then whoever beats him gets all that magic as well again mm. it's just about you know the basics of all the things that we've seen so i i think mgf wins and i think mgf should win in the most wwe way possible <laughs> <laughs> shenanigans distractions i'll do all of that because you know you're not doing it because oh, we don't know what else to do you're doing it because you know it's going to wind up your audience and that's the whole point of it that's the whole point it's like the miz the miz used to do it as well and i mean i'd probably argue that you know I mean, you can debate this, but it feels to me like, you know, MJF has more, we'll just use insider terms, heat than The Miz did. But <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, that, that, that's, a, that's a discussion for a different day. You know, there's a similar thing there where you just want to see this guy get punched in, in the face. Simon, and if you hold that, let, yes. let me put this to you because I've said this before. Sorry to interrupt. But <laughs> no, please. I've, I've had, uh, I said I wanted Hangman to dethrone Kenny and then I wanted MJF to dethrone Hangman. And I know this is difficult now because we've got Adam Coles and Brian Danielsons and CM Punks and everyone's like, oh my God, how do you keep them out of the picture? But then what about if Wardlow dethrones MJF? Because those teasers have been there, right? And he is like a star in the making, in my opinion. The guy has got it um, if they want to make him. What if he plays a role in beating Derby and then beating Hangman and then, you know, kind of being tossed to the curb? You finally make Wardlow. I I don't know. There's options there, man. Yeah, and you could treat it like Batista and Triple H at WrestleMania yeah. 21. Could do the exact that. That was, a, that was a wonderful story. So, yeah, and I think you start all that here. And you're 100% correct. Darby Allen, he doesn't need to win. He doesn't need to lose. He doesn't need championships. He's an enigma. You know, he's one of these sort of Undertaker, uh, Bray Wyatt characters that just exists in their own bubble. And and it, it's all that's all down to him and the way he's portrayed himself. But, yeah, I think you've got to give it to MJF, and I hope that he wins. <sighs> 
What's your prediction, we, Will? Yeah, I mean, I... So, MJF beat... I can see MJF losing to Derby in this match. Even though, because they made such a star out of Derby, even if MJF finds an excuse for it. But I am with you both. I'd like him as the person to take the title off Hangman. We're just getting miles ahead of ourselves at this point. <laughs> miles and miles ahead of ourselves. And we've still got three more matches to talk about on this card. Simon Miller, you're up. I am going to take Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express yeah. taking on the Super Click. And I, it's just going to be... I, there's a difference between best and fun. This will be the funnest match on the entire show. This is because I, just to say, this is my only problem with this potentially. Is from what I've said about Lucha Brothers and FTR and being a combination that I'm desperate to see. I, this feels more WWE-ish because I feel like we've seen every combination of this lot already up until this point, and that's why it kind of feels more like you know. If it's fun, that's fine. But it's I have to say, Simon, it's not the match that I'm like bouncing off the walls to see it, it is false count anywhere though right so at least we know it's going to be like unbridled chaos right <laughs> yeah. that we haven't seen yet it's just going to be all out yeah war what do you think simon i uh, just to just to wind everyone listening i i'll be sports entertained <laughs> <laughs> but no like i don't think that none of these guys take themselves seriously which is why they're so great to begin with again going back to the whole brian danielson thing i often wonder are the young bucks the best tag team of all time Probably. I mean, you know, there's certainly an argument for it. Adam Cole is up there. I'd say top three most over people in the company. So he gets it. The Jurassic Express are just beloved. And Christian Cage is just a, a superhuman of a superstar that still doesn't get the love that he deserves. I just think they'll go out there. They'll flip around. They'll bounce. They'll do silly things. They'll do kissing spots. <laughs> I, 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 would I would assume Adam Cole and the Young Bucks lose because... Well, saying that, I mean, Christian Cage did try and break Adam Cole's brain. I still think that <laughs> Christian Cage and Jurassic Express will win. And when it's all done, you'll either sit there with a giant smile on your face saying, I love wrestling, which is me. Or you'll be on Twitter going, they don't sell anything, which I don't give a hoot about. But I, I, I actually think you could probably start the pay-per-view with this match. Just let them do their thing, entertain me, and then move on to something else. Anything to add on this one? Not overly. Uh, you know, I... The Super Click have been portrayed so strong for so long. And all those machinations you spoke about earlier, Will, and like, you know, variations of this match, I feel like they've won the vast majority of them. Mm. Um, so whether you got the blow off by giving, you know, Jungle Boy a big win, I, I don't doubt he'll be showcased tremendously in this match. Um, but I think you're right. It'll be a fun opener. And I think keeping the Super Click strong is probably a priority for AEW at this point. So, yeah, I see that going that way. Lovely stuff. Right, let's uh, let's talk two more matches on the card. Uh, the the so I'm gonna make sure that I feel like leaving the women's match till last is almost as bad as only having one mm. women's match on the card. Full stop. Which is still a question mark. As much as I think the women's division is getting stronger in AEW, and I think the top end of it is very good. I do think it's slightly disappointing that we are already getting one women's match on the entire of of what could prove to be their biggest pay per view of the year. Dr. Britt Baker DMD against Tay Conti, who I've become increasingly impressed with uh, over the last five, six months or so. Uh, I think, you know, they're not going to, for me, they're not going to take the title off Britt Baker. It's not that time yet. Tay Conti's not the one for it. I still think they can do something entertaining and fun and, and decent with it. It's a shame to talk about this match and be like, well, the main talking point is that the only women's match, but that is kind of part of the problem for me, Al. 
Yeah. Um, I, I like Ty Conti, and I do think she's flourished since joining AEW, but Britt Baker is like the pillar. You know, I know she says it. She is literally the pillar and the face of that women's division, and I don't think you take the title off it unless it's named someone like Thunder Rosa or Jade Cargill. That's my opinion. She's got through Roby's, uh, Roby, Ruby Soho um, and, and many others. She's got Jamie Hayter by her side with Rebel. She, she's this strong thing that for someone to overcome, they have to overcome not only like the unit of three women, but the best woman in the division, which is clear. AEW are not like, you know, inconspicuous about this. She is being portrayed as like the greatest woman that they've got or in the industry full stop. And I think that momentum is, has been very important to her and the company. The only way I can see that changing is with a really credible next breakout star as the champion love Ty Conti don't see it being her unfortunately at this stage uh again I'm, the two names that I mentioned they're they're kind of knee deep in the TBS title chase at the moment in that tournament so not sure who will come out of that and who won't and who then moves on to Brit but I honestly think she's keeping it for a long long time until either those two or someone we don't know about yet comes to the fore and takes the title off her. Uh, th- this is not a reign that could end on a whim. Simon, anything to add? Yeah, yeah. The the the, uh, the phrase I think that sums it up is just not the right time. I like Ty Conte, and she has come on leaps and bounds, which is actually something I do really like about the women's division. As we're talking about, like we had Red Velvet versus the Bunny on either Dynamite or Rampage. All shows just merging into <laughs> one. <now. laughs> And, you know, if you do watch Dark and Elevation or if you've been watching AEW from the beginning, they're better. You know, they're, I'm not saying they're the greatest wrestlers in the world. And sure, you can still pick holes in their work, but they have improved. And I really, really do. I really, really do enjoy that. But yeah, if you were going to give it to Ty Conte here, I don't actually think you'd get the desired response. Because, again, it just doesn't feel like the right time. And I suppose the right person to do it is Thunder Rosa. And as and when is all going to be dependent on the storyline. I mean, isn't Ember Moon going to go in there? That would shake things up. You know, mm. she's, she, she, she would add something huge. So that could take it off in a different direction. But yeah, you have to have Britt Baker win here. It would be really silly not to. Well, it just would. People would be like, oh, that was a bit deflating. And you never want to do that. Uh, yeah, I still think we'll see a good showing from Take On T. Excited to see. I still think we'll see some shenanigans and nonsense as well with everyone at ringside. And to finish us off, uh, coming up Malachi Black shortly. But. The Minneapolis street fight, the inner circle going up against the men of the year and the American top team. I mentioned about how like everything on this card screams kind of quality to me. This is the one I'm slightly concerned about. And yet I'm such a big Ethan Page fan. I'm such a big Scorpio Sky fan. And obviously everyone in the inner circle is at least a talented, b very entertaining do we think, Simon Miller, that we will be thoroughly sports entertained by this, even if that's not what the uh, what, what the AEW crowd are always looking for? I think so. And I think it all depends on what you think of American Top Team. But I really like Dan Lambert. He, I find him hilarious. I really like Junior Dos Santos. And I think last time he was in, uh, in the ring, he showed experience way beyond his two hours of practice that he'd had <laughs> before they did the thing. And uh, Andre Arlovsky is the fifth guy. Is that right? I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, like, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a beast of an MMA guy. So I think it depends on how ingrained you are in the mixed martial arts world i think it's cool and it has a gimmick because of that but i do agree out of everything else on the card i'm like yeah i can take it or leave it but i think again i think it's going to be like the opener or what i have determined to be the opener i think it'll be fun i think it'll be silly i think you know there'll be some there'll be some comedy in it and ultimately dan lambert 
gets beaten up. I think the key to this one, as you've already touched upon, is ensuring when we come out the other side, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are in an awesome position to maybe go after the tag team titles or to elevate that act because they are the, the meat and bones of this. They are two guys that absolutely have a, have a bright future, but of course the only way to, to do that is to make sure that they are involved in things. So yeah, that's what, that's what I'm kind of hoping for it. But there's nothing wrong with this kind of a match where I can sit down, you know, maybe this is where I check social media, you know, maybe this is where <laughs> I just chill. I'll still be watching it and I'll still be enjoying it. But unlike some of the other ones where you think, okay, I'm going to have to be locked into this, you can kind of just be a little bit more relaxed with it, but that's still good wrestling. You know, there, there's ways and means. Yeah. Here's your toilet break. Yeah. What? No, I didn't say well, no, that. I still, I, I still want to watch it. I still want to see it. With <laughs> but yes, maybe you would choose it here if I, you needed to. Go. I'm not overly excited about it. I'm not going to lie. It's not, it's not, when I look at that card, it's not the one that I'm like, oh, I want to see that. You know, oh, I need to know what happens there. Like, I could live without it. I'm not going to lie. But I'm going to trust Jericho to put together something good. I'm sure it's going to be entertaining. I, I don't really anticipate the Inner Circle as a collective losing. Um... You know, like, I know Jericho floated the idea of them having, like, an amicable parting of the ways in the summer that ultimately didn't happen because Tony Khan had more plans for them, which we're seeing them play out here, which I kind of hope means that they are going to put the men of the year over. Um, Again, I I like the American top team stuff. I just feel like this particular feud... Yeah. Do do you know what my biggest problem with the American (laughs) top team situation is? is the two most interesting members of American Top Team to me are Dan. Kayla Harrison and Paige Van Zandt. And uh, well, I, I think Paige Van Zandt and Dan Lambert. Kayla Harrison, I tell you now, this is a personal thing because I don't think she's... She's not seen a lot of billing on, on TV or anything at the moment. She came to the Super Bowl two years ago, the last time we were allowed to do it out there, and we interviewed her on Radio Row for what was a piece just about MMA, women's MMA, just chatting about general things, and it was going to be 10 minutes, and like we were saying about uh, Malachi Black earlier, she ended up sitting with us for nearly an hour and just shooting the breeze. (laughs) I know where you were going. The PG way to say that. Yeah. She is one of the most engaging and entertaining human beings I've ever spent any time with. I think she's got bundles of personality, and actually, if she's really interested in doing wrestling properly she could be someone who they develop into a proper talent in the future. And then you've got, you know, the entertaining factors are people like Paige Fansat and Dan. So you've almost got my most interesting people in this aren't involved. Well, yeah. I spoke to Jericho like three or four weeks ago. I can't remember when it was, but he, he was, you know, waxing lyrical about a lot of the people in American Top Team, particularly Paige Vanzan, saying that, you know, they had a future in wrestling should they want it. And Jericho had been pushing hard for them to be involved. Um, you know, we know... American top team, probably Jorge Masvidal is their biggest card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a fight with Leon Edwards coming next month. So I don't know how involved he's going to be or, you know, they've whatever. But it, it's it's more just the way this feud has gone along. I don't know how much Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky have gained from it thus far. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that this match will do something for them. But I just have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be an inner circle win and wow, we stand tall and, and that'll be that really. And, uh, I wish there was more kind of juice and energy around it, but you know, I guess we you know we got another dynamite and and what to go and rampage. But I, I don't know. I'm not feeling the energy around it at the moment. It's just a five on five, and they basically had one of those the other week. Simon, it's always a pleasure. We thank you. We're going to go and speak to Malachi Black now, or at least Ali's. Uh, anything else you want to plug or get off your chest or or make sure <laughs> that people are aware of? 
I'd love if there was something I could get off my chest right now, like a huge, I've signed with the WWE, <laughs> like, whoa, that's not true before. Somebody will hear that and write it. Don't, don't do it. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Simon316. Check out all my YouTube stuff at What Culture Wrestling if you enjoy that kind of a thing. Uh, if you go on my social media, I'm a, I'm a wrestler too. So if I'm in your local area, you can come watch me wrestle now that the uh, pandemic is slowly calming down, although obviously still a, a huge problem. I think that's about it. I appreciate you having me on. And as always, it is lovely to chat to you guys. Hero. Absolute hero. Huge fan. Wonderful man. The main man, Simon Miller, joining us. Check him out on social media at Simon Miller 316. No real reason for him to have that, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> or go out and check him on YouTube on What Culture. Check out his podcast. It's all good stuff. Uh, coming up, the wonderful Alex McCarthy sits down with the even more wonderful, I'm going to say it, Malachi he Black. Is. He is. <laughs> uh, if you want to get in touch with us, give us a rating, a review. Let us know you've enjoyed the show. Find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you there. In the meantime, here's Alex chatting with Malachi Black. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Uh, Malachi, man, thank you so much for joining us here on TalkSport. Um, it's been years since I actually had the chance to speak to you. It's Download Festival with NXT many moons ago. Yeah, um, in our wellies and stuff. But here we are now approaching full gear and what a start to life you've had in AEW. I've richly enjoyed it. I just want to jump right into that first and foremost. House of Black, the presentation all of that, man, I, I've, I'm sure you've seen everybody is just loving the ideas coming to life. So on your way into AW, conceptually, I guess, do you already have the picture painted once you speak to Tony Khan? Like, uh, I, I guess it, you must have been itching to get this stuff to life after being on the sidelines, then getting back in. Finally, now you're running with a lot of what you wanted to, I guess. Yeah, you know, there was definitely like a bunch of plans conceived in the like in that time frame that I was sitting at home. 
that, you know, um, that I'm like using now, you know, I, I'd say a lot of it was um, something I presented. Um, the mask came a little later, but the idea for what I wanted, you know, this character to be has been on my table for a very long time. And, you know, like if you, if you sit home for eight, nine months with a mind like mine, which never, never slows down, never stops. Yeah. Um, you know, you get up to a lot of creative ideas and I just write everything down. There's still like so much that I haven't used, haven't done, uh, which is good because obviously I like to freshen things up every once in a while. It's good to add layers and, you know, like as we're going, as the programs are going, you know, those layers will, uh, will manifest themselves when needed. It has to happen organically. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, like yeah, to answer your question, yeah, like a lot of this is indeed stuff that I conjured up um, while sitting at home for like such a long period of time. And while, you know, like I had a lot of time to read, I had a lot of time to watch documentaries and really dive into like stuff that I find interesting and like listen to music that, you know, that, 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 that motivates and inspires me and draw aesthetic, uh, aesthetics from that and draw like quotations from that and, and ideologies and thought processes. And then like, you know, even going back into, um, you know, asking, asking my dad for like our family, um, like our family history and, you know, picking things out of stuff that happened in my, in my actual, uh, family, my ancestry that like, um, that I, that, that I could translate either from the perspective of the emotional display of what, what I do, um, or events that I could use and present in a pro wrestling confined world. Uh, you know, to a larger audience. And, you know, when, when the initial, uh, when it initially happened, I had two days to convince Tony, actually I had one phone call to convince Tony. It was kind of one of those, well, you know, this is everything I got. And you, if you, if you hate it, I don't know what to do. If you like it, let's go. And I didn't have to convince him once. Like I, I explained him what I wanted to do. I said how I wanted to do it. I, I explained the idea of the video that I was releasing. And he's like, I love everything about it. And in the true words of Tony Khan, he said, let's, let's go, let's F and go. And that's, <laughs> um, you know, and um, you know, the rest is uh, history or at least still history in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far so good. Um, you know, everything comes with, uh, everything comes with thunderstorms, you know, like, like, like sunshines and uh, sunshine and thunderstorms kind of, you know, they, they, they exchange each other every once in a while. Uh, but for the most part, it's been sunshine. And the, uh, the creative process, the communication has been absolutely great. Um, I feel for me personally that I have advanced in a way that I could have never dreamed of within like, you know, within the realms of professional wrestling, within, within what I do. I truly feel that what, I, what, what I'm doing right now, or like at least what I'm also about, what, what, basically, let's put it this way. Where I am building towards is, from a creative point of view, the most involved and the most fulfilling that I have done uh, so far. And, you know, I hope, I hope that I can look back. And I think even I say I hope, but I know I can look back and at least be proud of a lot of stuff that I've done. And this is definitely like, you know, definitely in that like top three things. And if we keep continuing, it will be the number one thing that I like, you know, that I, that I uh, hopefully do. Um, you know, and that's not like, it's not diminishing anything other than I've done because I have found love and, and uh, 
passion in every installment of my career. I found love uh, in my independent career because if I didn't, I wouldn't have gone to WWE. And same thing, I found a lot of love in NXT. And in in my own way, I have found love working on Raw and working on SmackDown. And you know what I mean? I, I have, I've always been able to find things for myself that I could pour myself into. And even though they might have been minimal at times, I was still able to find them because if there's one thing that I am really good at is changing my mindset and making sure that even the smaller things I can use and create to create bigger things. And this, I feel that from the days of Tommy End and Progress and ICW and WXW and Evolve, Bros and Gorilla, Big Japan, you know, I took all of that and I, I created it and I, I, I put it in WWE and then I molded it further and further. And now all this like ball of like, experience and, and motivation that I have, I now use to shape this character character as Malachi and they are like a, like evolutions of each other. And oh. I just love that I've been able to pluck what I created in WWE and pluck what I created on the independence and stick them together and like warp this whole new character out of it and just use my experience. And like, you know, for anyone who's ever seen me on the indies, they realize that a lot of Tommy End is in this Malachi character. And that's what I like because it's also the reason why initially I got signed to like larger companies because this is what I'm used to. This is what people know me for. These sadistic occult characters that have a sense of like, yo, he's a dick, but he's right. I hate it. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've been able to like feel really uh, satisfied um to an extent, because I'm never satisfied, but satisfied to an extent working with Tony, working with, you know, others in AEW. I truly feel that it's a company where people like myself really find their uh, their, their their place, basically. Yeah, because that's a lot of things that you hear as well between, you know, people who, you know, first of all, what you said, all of the part of the journey, I guess, culminates and it helps along to where you get to. Um, but in WWE, I guess the creative structure is so different. The infrastructure, I mean, you know, there being a lot of writers and a lot of different levels before Vince ultimately makes his decisions. Whereas here, of course, yep. you get to more directly collaborate with Tony. So I guess for someone like yourself, it, you know, you've kind of said it in the last answer there. Having that process much more streamlined in AEW has not only helped you as a performer, but, you know, it's advanced you, like you said, you never thought could happen in wrestling. Agreed. That's 100% what it is. Like, you know, Tony is a, Tony is a unique guy. Very, very, very unique individual. Very high energy. Very passionate. Very motivated. Um, and it rubs off on all of us. You know, everybody who's there wants to make AW a better place. Like, and for me, it's never been about, you know, part one, per, like, like team one versus team two. I've always been like, I love professional wrestling and I want to um, make my craft the best wherever I am at, where, where I'm in. I have an incredible amount of loyalty towards Tony because of the opportunity he has given me. Um, I am really happy that I have a relationship with Tony where I can communicate with him if needed on a daily basis, I don't because I don't want to bother him too much because he's a very busy guy running <laughs> yeah. a, a football club and an American football club, you know. Yeah. So um, it's 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 very different than what I'm used to in the beginning. I definitely had to get used to it because I was used to, you know, well, anything but that. And um, I, I, I think I think if you are able to exist in the environment of WV, 
I think that moving to a company like AEW, like is, is helpful. Like that, I'm glad that I went through the paces that I went with WWE because it made me such a better performer and have so much more insight in what it means to be wrestling on TV. You know, being, 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 um, being a character, working on TV, being a professional wrestler. Um, you know, I've had so much, so, so many different like view, point of views, and I'm really thankful for all of that. And I'm just, I'm just extremely happy that I could have, t- I could take all that and now put all of that to work in a way that like fills, um, fills my creative needs, and thus also like gives the fans like what they've been waiting for for a very long time. And the good thing is, if you know, if we look at numbers and stuff. Um, it's been very successful. So I'm like super happy that like, you know, what we've been doing has just been, is has been good. You know, we gotta, we, we, we gotta, we gotta, um, we always gotta threat lightly, you know, cause you always gotta be cautious of things and not everything will always go perfect. Um, mm. But even then, like if something doesn't go perfect, you go right back to revert into like, okay, how do we, how do we damage control that? How do we, how, you know, how can I, how can I change this? How can I influence this in a way that I can, that I can, you know, use it as an advantage versus a disadvantage. So wrestling, man, it's such a difficult thing. It's, it's not as, excuse me, I'm drinking kombucha and it keeps like, <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely not as simple as, oh yeah, here's a match. Go, go at it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. At least, especially not for me, but the cool thing is anyone I've ever talked to in regards to it, like whether that is like, even from a point of view of a Shawn Michaels or an undertaker or, or like, you know, like even like Miro, um, and, and now guys who are relatively newer to TV, like a guy like Eddie Kingston, right? And we have these conversations and it's all the same thing. Like it's, there's so much layers to this stuff. There's like, you know, like for the most people, they see what happens inside a ring. They see what happens in the lens of the camera. Like, you know, you, you see what we want you to see. Mm-hmm. But there was an entire veil of like camera work and lighting technicians and like, 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 camera angles and all that stuff that you have to know and learn and realize. And until you do, like it, it's, it's such a, such a, uh, um, such a difficult, you know, process. And I, I remember the first time we spoke, I was, I was just learning all of that. Despite being NXT champion, I was still, you know, being, yeah. being like every week. And, and still to this day, because I, I still train wrestling every week. I've not once stopped going to training, you know, every single time we do it, um, I learn new things and every single time I'm on TV, there's different viewpoints that I catch and different ways of like, Oh, here's a camera. Let me move this way. You know what I mean? It's, it's how can I give, okay, so this is what's happening to me. How do I translate that? Because I've got a camera, which is a, which is my biggest lens right now. And how do I want to translate what I'm doing to the audience at home? How would I want them to feel with how I'm feeling right now? Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very, like, it's like an emotional chess game that you continuously like, mirror back and forth wrestling is um it's 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 a very um on the fly kind of performance arts sports and because i do want to call it a sport it is a sport absolutely mm. it's just not a sport in a conventional setting mm, indeed and not but i mean i hear you i hear you absolutely what you're saying i of course i can't fully comprehend because i don't do it but i understand what you're saying from a logical sure. standpoint um but you talked about layers there and right at the beginning you of course said about the layers of the character one thing is the House of Black has kind of gone along and everyone has been enjoying it so much. And then Buddy Matthews got released, right? And everybody started going, oh, maybe there could be members to uh, the House of Black, Buddy Matthews, I should say. Um, man, like, is, is that something in part of your vision? I'm not saying in particular 
oh, for Buddy, but like, do you extend the House of Black? Is that something you'd like to to incorporate? Like, of course, there's always like thoughts and ideas and plans that I have. And I think for the majority of my career now that is still to come, I think that that, like, you know, Buddy and me are going to be intertwined no matter what. Whether that is on a on 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 a, on a television setting or when it's a more independent setting, I don't think I can ever escape him fully because of what we did there that had such an impact on the status quo. Because it was so. I good. remember when that happened. The um, the reason why it happened so many times is because when we did that first match, uh, it kind of turned the eyes a little bit, and uh, I remember coming in and and and, and Paul going. Hey, so we want to run that match again because the ratings on it were really good. So let's do it again. And we're like, okay, yeah, cool. Can you guys do something similar? I'm like, yeah, you know, because Buddy is a, Buddy, like, Buddy is a very creative individual. Um, I think him and me are the perfect blend of me telling him to slow down and him giving me more stuff to think about. And um, then we did it for a third time because eventually Vince liked the match so much that he was like, well, let's, let's keep on going with it. And like, you know, and it was just, um, I, I really felt that we did something good back then, you know, it was people very, still talk very good. About it now. You know, people still talk about those three matches and, you know, to, to answer your question, the house of black, like there's always things that I'm thinking about. And there's always thought processes, but I don't know if Buddy would be a guy that would be in it versus more against it. You know, what I mean, I, I don't know. Oh, I, he, like, I don't know how he feels about you know that House of Black thing. I don't know. Um, like I said, I think we're better rivals than we are allies. Uh, but you know, I don't know what the future holds. But and like when it comes to the House of Black itself, you know, I've thought about putting people in. Like I, I, I recently spoke about that on. Um, on a, on a live Q and a where I said like a person like Abaddon, I feel like would fit greatly because I feel that she could use um, something as that to really like, you know, establish herself because you can use that, like that, that, that foundation, no, no pun intended because I say house, but that yeah. foundation of what I'm building with it as a way to kind of like put her, put her roots in the ground and start growing, you know, because now she would have a, a solid spot and she could like, you know, franchise out or build. And, mm. you know, there's guys that I think about you know, like a lot of times guys like, like, you know, who would fit like a uh, 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 blade would fit um, on, on a different level, like Brody King would fit, you know what I mean? Cause he, sure. he's a guy like he, he obviously he's one of my best friends, but also just from the wrestling perspective, he has a certain aesthetic that would fall in line with that. But obviously, and even though, like, you know, we, we know what's currently going on with Ring of Honor, I don't know what his next venture is. I, 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 and I'm not saying that as a, I truly don't know, you know, like, I don't know what the next steps are for him. Um, I think right now he's just kind of like figuring out what he, what he's going to do, which I understand, you know, the man's got a, a family and a mortgage and all that stuff. So he's, you know, he's trying to make some moves. Um, but I think I think with something as House of Black, you can go you can go so many ways. But then there's also the allure of like, what if the House of Black is just the name I have for my fan base, which is what it is now. You know yeah. what I mean? Because um, I feel that there is a certain group of fans that that understand what I do is not necessarily the right thing to do, but they understand why I do it. 
and I feel that this has always been the strengths of my characters because I've always had a little bit of those in-between type anti-hero characters, you know, like mm. I do things that for conventional for conventionalism are not necessarily, you know, good, good things, but there is a, there's a rhyme and reason to why I'm doing it. And when you understand the rhyme and reason, you can support it. And I feel that's what I evoke a lot of times with the fans that like, you know, embrace me because it's different, it's unique. And, you know, it started with the, with the entrance and stuff and, you know, creating different aesthetics that I feel that even though not always necessarily are on the button or explained, you feel a, a certain affinity with it. You can, you can, you can relate with it because there's something dark, something, something cool, something different. And it, and it attracts you to it. Yeah. I, I love that you mentioned there as well about like the fans and their kind of reception and how that's all been going. Talk to me about facing Cody on the way in, right? Like whose idea is that? Because it's, you know, how has it all come about? Because in, in, a, in a way, he's ended up being the perfect foil, right? Like the, this, yeah. the story that's been told of your character. I think it, I honestly don't know if I could have thought of a better one now that it's happened. Do you know what I mean? Um, it was Tony's idea in, 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 in line with Cody. Um, and, you know, no big deal. You know, compete against one of the best wrestlers in the world, one of the biggest names, one of the biggest lineages in, in the world of professional wrestling. And, you know, also being um, in charge of a big part of that company. No pressure, you know what I mean? Come <laughs> in and, you know, um, I, um, I have a lot of respect for Cody. I don't think we'll ever really see eye to eye, but I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, and, you know, he's dangerous in the ring. He's very calculated, incredibly smart, but I'm glad that at least out of the three times that we competed out of those two, I was smarter two times than him. And like I said, even back then, it wasn't, it wasn't about pinfalls for me. It was about seeing how far I could push him, you know, and the same night, like the guy that would have usually reached the ropes were stomping me in the face. And the guy that would have in the beginning never thought about throwing me through a table because he's too much of, you know, too much of a, like a guy that plays better. Well, he threw me through a table. So there's a lot of stuff that I made him do that he wouldn't have necessarily done initially, you know? Yeah. And I guess I did like, it's almost like I did a little bit too good of a job, but um, you know, from a competitive point of view, I think we're very evenly matched. I think him and me will intertwine for the duration of my steps within AEW, which I hope there are many in which I hope there it's a very long uh, period for me. Um, as I said, I truly feel like I'm just scratching the surface of what I'm doing here. Um, but yeah, Cody, um, I don't think I'll ever completely get rid of Cody, but I also don't want to get rid of Cody because I mm. feel like Cody and me are almost like a little bit destined. It, it almost falls in line with, with, with me and Buddy Matthews, that point where me and Buddy and me and Cody have this symbiotic relationship almost where we bring the worst and best out of each other yeah that dichotomy yeah i totally agree man um you know you're just thinking about it now after what you said about your character and how the fans react i i, I loved the dante martin not just the match but the aftermatch gave me like serious kind of like undertaker jeff hardy vibes just your nod to him right like yep. and, and it is, it, that even just something so small as that did so much um talk to me about like you know is that a guy that you were like yeah i want to work with dante martin because he is 
mercurial to say the least. I think for a kid who was in his 20s, early 20s, to have the ability that he has, that match for me was a way of saying you either, it's, it, it's make or break. Sure. You know, I think that, you know, he's fearless. He's extremely talented. He's a little ahead of himself, but that's where people like me step in to bring him back a little bit more. Um, from a competitive point of view, I feel that he has the capacity, if stating the right course, to have this Will Ospreay-like effect on high flyers. And that is incredibly high praise. It is. Whether you love or hate him, Osprey is a guy that from the moment I saw him, I told him, if you stay the course and you can ask him this, you're going to change the world of professional wrestling, the high flying part of professional wrestling. Same with a guy like Ricochet. You know, he falls in that category of the Ricochets and the, and, and the Will Ospreys. You know, when I met Will, all he wanted to be was Ricochet which I get because Ricochet is a game changer. You know, if we're talking about the Ricochet, we're talking about the Amazing Reds, we're talking about the Rey Mysterios, we're talking about the Kentos and the Marfugis, the guys who in that more modern-day setting changed the landscape of wrestling. You know, even a guy like Brock Lesnar, who completely changed the entire landscape. Roman Reigns is doing it right now, Mm. you know, just adding to that legacy. And I think that Dante, if staying the course, he can have that effect. And look, look, he's he, he's a young kid. He's a young kid that can have the effect that on an independent level or on a, on a higher level can do something in wrestling that um, makes him stand out. So that not for me was an acknowledgement of you gave me a run for my money that I wasn't expecting. So good on you, kid. Yeah, I I thought it was really good storytelling stuff there. Um, but I do want to say this. I spoke to Big E on Saturday, WWE in the UK. Yeah. So I went to Wembley and saw him. Uh, and I was asking him, man, because that was like the last thing you did in WWE. And I was like, you know, I was a big, at that point, Alistair Black fan, big Big E fan. So I see this happen on SmackDown. I'm excited. I said to Big E, did you know what was up? And he said, well, no, it happened really quick. He said, like, he didn't know much about it before the match so he doesn't know where it was going but he did say obviously he's delighted to see how great you're doing um so i just thought i'd let you know that he said that but also um <laughs> did you have any kind of ideas at all or, or was the same for you was it just sprung yes and no the only note that i ever got was that it was going to lead to me and him at SummerSlam. okay that's cool. all i know and after that it was whatever it was going to be um when he won the world title it was exactly i think two months after I got released and he was kind of in limbo and then very quickly he built them, he, they were building him up to rightfully so be the champion. And it's funny because obviously I did it. I did something in my way that caught the eyes of the world of professional wrestling. And he did something that he set out to do since starting his journey in professional wrestling. And I messaged him And he gave me the best message back. And we both agreed like, man, what a change that two months can make for two individuals that were basically lost in a shovel and, you know, were set out to do great things. And then were kind of like muffled down. And then like in two months time, everything changed for the both of us. 
And I have a lot of love for Big E. I have um, a lot of appreciation, a lot of respect. Um, he's a immensely talented individual, um, a guy with extreme resilience, a positive attitude beyond anything that I've seen in a very long time with people, but also stood the test of time for his own career and, you know, made the best out of what he was given and made it work time and time again, because even when they gave him something he can work with, he made it work. And that's the true mm -hmm. professional. Yeah. Uh, just in closing here, before I let you go, thank you very much for your time as well, Malachi. Um, I just wanted to say, man, like, you know, it looks like since you've joined AEW, the character is obviously a big part of you. It looks like you're having a, a wonderful time. You're going out and winning tag team titles again in PWG. Um, you know, with all this freedom, you look like you're having kind of the best fun of your career. What's next for you in AEW, man? What would make Malachi Black happy? What made what make me happy if I can spread my wings even more, create more memorable moments, give... Be, be responsible for platforming AW to an even larger audience, be a part of the fabric and helping younger talents, you know, reach their potential and um, become, become what, what they can be. And just creating more, more lore for Malachi, creating more opportunities. And like, I'm like, you know, having more multiple matches with, you know, with, with some of the people that have already wrestled, like, like Amir and Adam Cole, but also with guys like Kenny and, and, and Hangman Page and like you know, more, even more of the younger kids where it's just like, you know, there's like so much that I can do and so much that, that I haven't even like, I, like I, I haven't even scratched the surface with this character and all the things that I have in my head and all the mm. stuff that I've, presented to Tony L so that I hadn't presented to Tony and then for that yeah for that reason the world you know there is uh there is a at the moment almost like a unlimited amount of creative thinking that I have and an entire platform for me that goes hey bring it whatever you got let's do it yeah man I mean when I think about you know AW has four major shows a year and I'm like you know okay let's plan out 2022 for Malachi Black punk Danielson, Kenny, Hangman. Hangman's a conflicted character who, who Malachi Black could really get into. You know, oh man, the possibilities are just there. Um, I'm really excited for you, man. I'm happy to see you thrive. Thank you so much for, for joining us on TalkSport, Head of Full Gear. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. And I appreciate your time, dude. Thank you. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.